What's up? And welcome back to the podcast. Glad you're back here with me. I'm excited to be on the podcast again. And today's going to be um, an interesting podcast because I felt to do a series of podcasts. And so this podcast that you're going to be listening to today and the teaching that will be uh, given today is going to be part of a series that I'm going to later have transcribed and sent back to me so that I can work from the material that I get from these sessions of the podcast and put it into uh, Word documents and begin to write uh, my first book. And uh, I felt to do this because it's a very important topic and topics that we're going to be dealing with in the next weeks on these episodes because I felt led from the Lord to do uh, a book series and a podcast series also that you can break mentalities off of your life that are either prohibiting you from accomplishing your full purpose in God, or maybe there are things that you don't even realize in your mindset of how you see the world or who you are or uh, your lot in life or your culture, or your background. There are many things that people don't even realize are hindering them from walking in the fullness of what God has for them. And so these uh, series of podcasts, which will eventually be transcribed into a book uh, later this year, is what I'm thinking, I think will be something that will greatly help you in your walk with God, especially when you're young, because uh, the sooner you can learn these things and understand them and break them off of your life, if they are on your life, the sooner you'll be able to walk in the full potential of who you can be in God. And so today, I'm sure you've seen the title of this first podcast, and this is actually going to be a part one of this uh, section of the mentalities. I have so far four mentalities that I've written down of things I want to deal with, and I want to deal today on this episode with the first mentality, which you can see from the title of victimhood or being a victim. And this is an important one to deal with, first of all, because first of all, it has to do with identity of how you see yourself, of how uh, you perceive yourself to be in the world. And many times people disqualify themselves without even giving themselves a chance to be who God wants them to be. And I want to show you from the Bible how life is not about who you're born as in the flesh, but life really begins when you're born again by the Spirit of Almighty God. That life is not about being white or black or Asian or anything else. Uh, it's not about your skin color. It's not about who you're born in the flesh as. It's not, a, it's not even about if you're a man or a woman. You know, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. And, and so people make the mistake of identifying themselves as who they're born as. That, you know, for instance, I could take myself as an example. I'm a, a white male that was born into a Christian family. Um, and many people around the world, they will just take something like that and that becomes the entire identity of who they are. All of their likes, all of their interests, all of the things that they think that they can be in life are all dictated by what society 
but but why the world, by what culture tells them that they can be or what they cannot be. And so it's really sad to see that there are many people in the world that go through life and they limit themselves based on who the world tells them they can be and who the world tells them they can't be. And so today I want to deal with and explain from the Bible why all of those things are just lies from the devil. Because God will never limit you. God will never put you in a box of race or um, income or uh, the place in the world that you were born or whatever. Things that are outward, things of the flesh, things that are just circumstances of life. God will never box you in or keep you small or see you as the world sees you. The way that God sees you is completely separate and different from the way that the Word sees you and who God will create you to be once you've been born again by the Holy Spirit. And so to begin from the Bible, I want you to go to 1 John in chapter 5, and I'm going to read two verses from this chapter in the Bible because I want to deal with the first point of how to break this mentality of victimhood. And like I said, this is going to be a part one of breaking the mentality of victimhood. So today I want to give you four points on how to break this mentality because it's a mentality that will cripple your future if you don't understand from the Bible who you are in Christ and who God wants you to be so that you can understand how you should operate in your future. And so in 1 John chapter 5, there are two verses that I want to read and it's a very simple point in this first point. But the first point is you need to refuse to see yourself as weak. You need to refuse to see yourself as weak. And the Bible says in 1 John 5, in verse 4, it says, For everyone, everyone, not white people, not black people, not rich people, not poor people, not tall people, not short people, all people, everyone, for everyone who has been born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. In verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so to begin in this first point, it's important to understand from the Bible that victory is not something that is given to everyone. But it is given to everyone who has been born of God. And so understand, victory is not a white thing. Victory is not a black thing. Victory is not a Mexican thing. Victory is not a poor thing. Victory is not a rich thing. Victory is something that is specifically reserved for those that have been born again and have come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. The world will never know what true victory is. They might think they have victory. They might think they've won a battle against God or the church. But ultimately, victory is something that was purchased by Christ with his work on the cross and was labeled specifically to only be given to those that are in him and believe that he is Lord. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that there was a name given to Christ that at that name, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And so even now, if it seems 
And if the it's just a lie, really, because the devil, all he has is lying and intimidation to give you doubt and unbelief that victory is not yours. Because as Christians, something we must understand is that we don't pray or believe for victory, but we pray and we believe from victory. That we're not waiting for victory to come, but and actually we're walking in the dominion and authority that Christ has already purchased that victory and dominion. And now it's up to us by our faith to walk in that victory and that dominion that Christ purchased for us with his work on the cross. And so the world will never know what victory is. Victory was a gift that was reserved for me and you. And so number one, when dealing with how can I break this mentality of being a victim or the, or the mentality of victimhood, you have to understand that you are victorious through Christ Jesus. That if God before you, tell me who can be against you. It doesn't matter what's against you. It doesn't matter if people say, oh, well, you're African-American and so you can't... Um, be seen as a prominent figure. You can't be successful. You know, you are uh, have a Latino background, so you'll never be seen as an intellectual or someone that has uh, high intelligence or, you know, whatever people want to say. I know there's, it's an evil world and people will say crazy things like that. Whatever the world tells you you'll be and that you have to pursue a certain lifestyle and certain careers because of the color of your skin or your background or where you come from or because you come from a single parent household and people that come uh, from single parent households will always be A, B, and C. And the they'll do studies and scientific experiments of these kinds of people, how they always end up a certain way. And the world will do whatever it can to lie to you and fill you with doubt and fear and unbelief and make you think that you can't do what God wants you to do and to try to box you in and make you feel trapped and make you feel like you'll never be good enough and that you'll never measure up. Those are all lies from the devil to keep you from your full potential in God. So number one, refuse to see yourself as weak. Refuse to see yourself as the world sees you. For God does not see you in the same way that the world sees you. You know, the Bible says when the prophet Samuel went to the house of, of Jesse to see among his sons who would be the next king of Israel, because the Lord spoke to the prophet and told him that I have reserved for myself a king among Jesse's sons. The Bible says that when he went to see the sons of Jesse to see which one would be anointed to be the next king of Israel, the Bible says that Samuel said something very important and very powerful. But he said that people or man look on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so people don't understand that God doesn't operate in the same way that man operates because people, all they see is how people operate. All they see is how humanity is. And so they base their worldview of what life will be like about how the world goes based on what they see with their natural eye, based on what they've experienced in their life. But you can't go through your life basing everything on experience because the word of God trumps experience. The word of God is more powerful than any experience that you can ever have. You know, people get 
a doctrine that God will make people sick to teach them a lesson or to humble them or show them something in that sense. And maybe they have that worldview because they had a family member that was a Christian but didn't believe in divine healing. And that person that was in their life that was sick, who was a Christian, maybe passed away from that disease. And now from that experience and that circumstance, their belief in the word of God and their doctrine had to be remolded and shaped around that tragic, tragic experience that they had. But understand that the word of God is more powerful than any experience that you've ever had. And so I refuse to see myself as the world wants me to see myself. If the world wants me to see myself, you know, I claim, you know, we say we're Pentecostals. And so the world has this perception of Pentecostals and spirit-filled Christians. And they think that we're all, you know, living in trailer parks and have low IQs and uh, handle snakes in our services. And there's a there's a worldly perception of how people view charismatic church and Pentecostal ministry because of how the world has made them see us. But just because the world sees me a certain way doesn't mean I have to live up to a stereotype that is not true. But sadly, you'd think that's common sense, but sadly, many people go through life and they live their whole life trying to live up to some stereotype. And they believe more in spiritual curses and generational curses than they do generational blessings and the blessings of God that he wants to give to you. People will say, well, uh, my grandfather, he dealt with alcoholism and he died of uh, liver failure because he drank so much alcohol. And my father also, he dealt with alcohol and he was abusive in the, in the home and uh, blah, blah, blah. And because of that, I know that one day when I get married, I'll have to deal with that alcoholism and I'll have to deal with that spirit of anger that comes and is amplified through that alcohol. And, you know, people, even Christians, you think people in the world talk this way. Christians talk this way and they just see their path of their family. They see the path of their race or their culture or the part of America that they come from and they base their whole life and who can they, they can be on this victim mentality that the world's against me, that I'll never be on top, that I'll never be a success, that I'll never be intelligent, that I'll never graduate from college, or, you know, whatever it is that you have a goal of something you want to attain and do in your life, people will look for any excuse they can find to make themselves feel better about failure. But you cannot be somebody that excuses failure because of a victim mentality or the mentality of victimhood. Don't see yourself as a, as a failure. Don't, your, don't see yourself as unintelligent. Don't see yourself as someone that's going to deal with all the problems that your family dealt with in the past. Don't see yourself as someone that's going to deal with things that people in your race deal with. You know, it's funny to me how every race has something to say about alcohol when it comes to uh, culture and how, you know, in our culture, we're, we're Spanish. And so we always drink wine with our meals or, you know, we're Italian. And so we always drink wine with our meals or we're Irish. So we all, we always drink, uh, whiskey with our meals and every culture you can go down the line has this thing about how we only drink because it's our, in our culture. And you can see this more than ever. 
Because not just with alcohol or things like that, but the devil wants you to put so much focus on the outward. The devil wants you to see everything by race and he wants you to divide everybody by their culture and subjugate and divide and divide and divide because that's what the devil wants. He wants there to be white churches with all white people. He wants there to be black churches with all black people. He wants there to be Puerto Rican churches with all Puerto Rican people because the devil understands that there's a power and unity in the body of Christ. And so not just with race, he does the same thing with denominations. And then with even within denominations, there's different assemblies and different groups within denominations. And the devil just wants to divide, divide, divide because he understands that his greatest chance to have success in what he wants to do is to divide people and keep them small and make them think that everything's against them, that everyone wants them to fail. And it's all this stuff that the devil puts in people's mind because he plays the same trick. The devil plays the same trick. And the trick is to lie to people, to fill their minds with doubt and unbelief so the victory can't come to them. And how do I know that from the Bible? Because from what we read in 1 John 5, the Bible says this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And so faith is what gives you the victory. And so without faith, you can't attain victory because victory comes through the believing of Jesus Christ being Lord and that God raised him from the dead for you and me. And now that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells within you and me. And so life is not about the outward. Life's not about the color of your skin or what's on your body or how tall you are or whatever. Life is about what God has done on the inside, on the inward part of you. It's not about the outward part of you. It's about the power that resides on the inside. Hallelujah. And so anything that's gained by something outside of faith and outside of the work of Christ Jesus is not complete and total victory. It's temporary victory. The only eternal victorious life you can gain is the victory that's attained through the finished work of Christ Jesus and seeing yourself as God sees you. And so I want you to go to Romans chapter 8 because I want to read a verse that's going to drive this point home. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, in my opinion... In verse 31, the Bible says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, not for white people, not for black people, not for rich people, not for poor people, not for people that are from the west coast of the United States or the east coast of the United States, no. But God gave him up for us all. Hallelujah. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine 
or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah. You're not a victim, and I'm not a victim, but we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. That's a powerful portion of scripture because it allows you to see that life is not about who's against you. Life is about who's for you. And so preaching this point home and narrowing this point home of this section of breaking the mentality of victimhood, don't focus on what's against you. Don't even focus on who's against you, but focus on who is for you. If God be for you, tell me who can be against you. But that's not the mentality that most people take. Most people take time to tell you about all the things that are against them, to give you every reason in the book about why they didn't attain some certain dream or some certain thing that they thought God was going to do for them. And they'll give you line by line about why it didn't work out. Well, you know, I thought God was going to open the doors for me to be an evangelist, but I guess people just don't want to hear the word of God anymore. And I guess people don't want to hear a real preacher anymore. They just want blah, 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 blah. And people will just talk like that all day long because people don't want to acknowledge within themselves that the problem is not external, but the problem is actually internal. That the problem is not about the circumstances around you. The problem is you haven't received the revelation of who Christ Jesus has made you to be by his work on the, on the cross and the power of the Holy Ghost. But once you receive that revelation of who Christ Jesus is in you, you'll never be a victim one day of your life. Never again will you think that you're a victim, but you'll understand that you're the victor in every situation. The Bible, when you read it, I mean, when you really read the Bible, it's impossible to come to the conclusion that the life of the believer and the intention of God for his people is defeat. And the intention for God's people is to be in despair and be dismayed and be full of doubt and be full of fear and be losing and be humbled by the defeats of, the, of life. No, God wants you to be on top. God wants you to lend and not borrow. God wants you to be the head and not the tail. God wants you to be above and never beneath. That is the promise of Almighty God. That's the covenant of Abraham that has been made available to you by Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says in the book of Galatians, has redeemed you from all the curse of the law, all of the things that were sent to bind you and destroy you and make you weak and make you afraid. All of those things were destroyed and finished with the work of Christ Jesus on the cross. That's why Jesus said in his last words on the cross that it is finished. That was an announcement 
announcement to the devil that all the plans he had for humanity to be chained and to be locked down and to be boxed in and to be crushed and by despair, full of anxiety, all of those things from the devil, all of them were destroyed by Jesus Christ and they were finished once and for all. And so now it's just time to believe it. Now it's just time to accept and understand your identity in Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible says that we've been conformed to the very image of God's own son so that now God from heaven doesn't see us as the person that we used to be, but now God sees us as who he's made us be born again as, as joint heirs with Christ Jesus. You know what that means? It means anything that belongs to Jesus, I also have a covenant right to attain that same thing because God sees me as a son. And if I'm a son and God's my father, then there's an inheritance that God wants to bestow upon my life. There are things that God wants to bring into my life because he loves me, because he sees me as his child, because he cares for me, because he doesn't want to see his child go through life getting beat up and full of anger and full of uh, sadness and depression. That's not what God wants for his children. That's not what God wants for you and me. God doesn't want you to see yourself as a punching bag and see yourself as some emotional uh, dumpster that people can just treat you any way they want and that you just have to take it because you're a humble Christian and Christians just have to take things like that. No, God wants you to be on top. God wants you to see 100% of your destiny come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not be in defeat, but you will be in victory because God loves you. You Do you know that? I mean, it's very simple, but God loves you. God wants the best for you. God sees you as the best. God sees you as his own child. God sees you in the same way that he sees Jesus. God wants you to be blessed financially. God wants you to be healed in your body. God wants you to be free in your mind of anxiety and depression and fear and worry and doubt. God wants you to have more than enough. God wants you to be victorious in your life because he loves you with his whole heart. He sent Jesus because he loved you. He loved the world and he wanted you to be free from all the oppression of the devil. He didn't want you to deal with things like other people deal with things. No, God wanted you to be set free. God wanted you to be chained free. God wanted all those hindrances, all those obstacles, all the things that worry you and keep you up at night and steal your sleep and steal your rest and make you tired. And it feels like there's a cartoon rain cloud following you around every day, raining down on you, making you feel a certain way. God wants all of that to leave, and it will, in the mighty name of Jesus. I can think of my own family, my grandfather, my, my dad's dad, that he was nobody. He was an 18-year-old, hungover teenager in Ida May, West Virginia, in the middle of nowhere, a town of less than, I believe, a thousand people. I, I could be wrong. Could be way less than that. There was no reason for God to pay attention to my grandfather, this random, really, teenager. But God didn't see it that way. But me in the flesh thinking about it, I think, God, why would you call 
an 18-year-old hungover teenager in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of West Virginia. Why would you pay him any mind? But God did. And the, and <laughs> hallelujah. I'm so thankful for what God did for my family because God took my grandfather, that troubled young kid in the middle of nowhere, all he wanted to do was go to bars and be and be with girls and, and do whatever because he had no purpose. He was just doing whatever he wanted to do. And God got a hold of him. He got him in a Holy Ghost meeting. And he felt the presence of God in a service one night. And he gave his life to the Lord. And from there, he went to Bible school and did everything he could to answer the call of God that was on his life. And he met my Nana there. And then they began to pastor and minister all over the country for many, many years, pastored for over 50 years. And then they had four boys and all of them now are in the ministry full time, either pastoring or evangelizing. And now all of the grandchildren, all of my dad's brother's kids and now, and even my dad's kid, me, all of us in full-time ministry because the Bible says, hallelujah, the Bible says he'll take the beggars from the dunghills and he'll set them among the princes. God will do so many great things in your life. I don't care where you come from. I don't care if you don't come from a third generation ministry family like I do. I don't care if you're the first one that went to Bible school or felt the call of God on their life. And now you feel like the odd man out. You feel like a black sheep. You feel like you're the only one. God will do something in your life and he'll change the course of your family forever. All it takes is for one person to get enough faith to say, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with the same things my parents dealt with. I'm tired of dealing with the same things my grandparents dealt with. And I put my foot in the sand and I draw a line today against the plan of the devil for my family and for my generation. And I say enough is enough, no more. And you give your life wholly to the work of the Lord. You give your life and say, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me to go and I'll say what whatever you tell me to say. And the Bible says the eyes of the Lord, they search to and fro seeking for someone like that, that they seek for someone whose heart is fixed upon the Lord. And God will take you to great places that you'll never be a victim one day longer in your life. But God will set your feet upon the rock of Jesus Christ. He'll fill you with his Holy Ghost. He'll give a word and put it in your mouth. He'll fill you with fire and you'll be an unstoppable force for the kingdom of heaven. And you'll never experience defeat one more day of your life. Hallelujah. That's God's plan for you and me because he loves us. God doesn't want you to see you beaten up by life and be a victim, and be some devil's, you know, the devil's victim your whole life, and be abused, and be beaten, and be told you're nothing, and be told you're worthless, and be told you're stupid, and be told you're not good enough, and you'll never measure up, and you'll never be worthy, and all of those lies from the devil that try to get in your mind to affect your peace and steal your joy, that is not God, that is the devil, that is the lies of the enemy, 
And you have to get to a point in your life where you say, God, I'm tired of living for the approval of humanity. I'm tired of seeing myself as some shallow thing. I'm tired of seeing myself as a member of a race or just a cultural background that I've placed on my entire identity and all of these things that will falter and fail you. But I choose to place my identity and my hope and my peace and my joy in the almighty work of Christ Jesus and Christianity and the gospel that Jesus paid the price for me that I had no business of it being paid for me. I had an unexcusable debt that would never paid off in a million years. But Christ chose to come down from his seat in heaven and take the form of a man and live a perfect life so that he could be crucified on the cross for me and give me a chance because he died for my sin. He died for the penalty that I could not pay. And now I've been made a conqueror through him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Natural circumstance will not supersede the spiritual truth that Christ has made you brand new through his blood. Hallelujah. Break that mentality of being a victim. Don't focus on the on your flesh and the outward. Focus on the spirit. I'm sure maybe you've heard of this, but from the Bible we understand something called the trichotomy of man. And I could be mispronouncing that. I'm not exactly a scholar, but basically what that means is the three parts of man. That there are three parts that make up a man or make up a woman. And that is spirit, soul, and body. And how it was explained to me is that you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. But ultimately, you are a spirit. You are a spirit being. And that's why the Bible says that those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth because God's a spirit. And so in order for me, a spirit, or you a spirit, to connect to God, we have to connect to him on a spirit-to-spirit level. You can't connect to God through your flesh or through your soul, but you connect to God through the spirit. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're not praying in your soul and you're not praying in your flesh, but the Bible says you're praying in the spirit, building up your most holy faith. And so focus on your spirit, focus on the part of you that is the truest part of you, your emotions, your feelings, those things are a part of you, but the true part of you, the best part of you is your spirit. You know, the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so if you don't focus on the spirit and instead you focus on the flesh, which is exactly what the devil wants you to do. It's exactly what the world wants you to do. Focus on the flesh. Focus on how the world sees you. Focus on how we want you to be. And that's what life's all about. That's a lie. It will make you unhappy and unfulfilled your entire life. If only if all the things you believe are just, you know, I'm white and I'm from the East Coast and I'm from a Southern state and we're not intelligent and blah, 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 blah. And I'll never be this and I'll never be that because of this reason and that reason. But people do that, man. And I don't want you to fall into that same trap. So focus on the spirit. Don't focus on the flesh. Don't focus on your soul. But understand that you are a spirit being. 
And that when you connect to God, who is a spirit being also, there's a divine connection that's made. And anything that belongs to God, God will open up a way for you to receive that same thing. That's the inheritance of heaven. And part of that inheritance is complete and total victory. That you'll never be defeated. You'll never be below. You'll never be beneath. But you'll always be on top every single day until Jesus comes back. And understand that that victim mentality, the mentality of victimhood, is born out of believing in your doubt. Think about it. That whole mentality of how the world's against you because of A, B, and C, and all of those things that the devil wants you to believe are true, basically what that is, is you believe how the devil wants you to believe more than how God wants you to believe. You've placed more belief in your doubt than you have in your faith. And as soon as you do that, you tip the scale in the direction of the world and not the direction of the word of God. And when you do that, it's no surprise to me why people develop that mentality because it's a coping mechanism and a defense to explain away why they never achieve the things that they hope to achieve in their life. Oh, it's just because of this, <laughs> you know? It's like those people... Or think of like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, how he would always talk about how he could throw a football over the mountains and that he was going to be a superstar in the National Football League. And because he got hurt, you know, everyone has that uncle or whatever. And I guess I don't, but a lot of people have that uncle that comes to the family barbecue and will tell you how great of an athlete he was and how he was going to go pro. But then he got hurt his senior year and got a contracting job and became uh, a house roofer or started a business or whatever. But man, if I never got hurt, I would have made it to the, to the league. I would have been a professional athlete. I would be living in a mansion somewhere. Because people have a tendency to do that. People have this innate ability to never acknowledge within themselves why they didn't do something. They have this innate ability to explain away why they didn't accomplish the things they wanted to accomplish in life. And it's a mentality of victimhood. It's believing in your doubt. It's believing the lies of the enemy. But you have to break that off your life to walk in the fullness of who God wants you to be. A victim mentality is born out of a desire to make excuses for where you are in life or mistakes that you've made along the way. But understand who's on your side. I'm, I said it a lot, but it's a powerful a thing to understand from the Bible, that if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. And don't allow that mentality of victimhood to breed doubt and unbelief and make you weak. Because all of those things will do is make you weak. If all you focus on is what's against you and how many things are stopping you from being who you want to be in God and blah, blah, blah. All of those things are just going to make you weak and make you think, that you'll never be who God wants you to be. But that won't be your story in Jesus' name. Because once that faith rises up enough in you where you can speak against all the lies of the devil, then you have a response to every single thing that would try to make you feel small, every single thing that would try to make you feel insignificant. Man, that is such a lie from the devil. And I've dealt with it, you know, being transparent. I've dealt with thoughts like that, like, you know, why should I even do a podcast this week? You know, I don't have, 
you know, tens of thousands of people listening to me. I don't have a television show. I don't have this massive platform. What's the point? But God, understand, is looking at what you'll do with the gifts and the things he's given you the ability to do right now. God is seeing if you'll be faithful. And that's all God's looking for is faithfulness. All God's looking for is for somebody who doesn't care about what people think of them. God's looking for David's. God's looking for Esther's. God's looking for men and women that will go against the status quo of what culture wants them to be, of what society wants them to be, and will say, you know what? I don't want what the world wants me to want. (laughs) You know what I mean? If they want me to want a certain thing, I reject it and I accept what God wants me to have. You have to get to a place in your life where you desire what God desires for the reason he desires it. You desire what God desires for the reason he desires it. So me as an evangelist, me as somebody, a young preacher out of Bible school that wants to see people saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ being their Savior and Lord of their life, I have to get to a place where I desire that so much that I'll fast for God to open doors for me to preach to people for them to be saved, that I'll literally not eat food for days at a time because I value the call of God in my life and I want to see as many people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ before he returns, that I don't want people to go to hell because I desire what God desires for the reason he desires it. I love people and I know that they've been made in the image of God, every single person from all culture, from all creeds, from all races, every single person has been made in the image and the likeness of God. Every single person is born with innate purpose, with innate destiny. Every single person is born being loved by God. But they are, they are lost to the world because they don't have someone that's been bold enough to stand up and say, Hey man, life's not about all the outward stuff. Life's not about all the material things and all the things that they try to give you advertisements about day and night, over and over, that you should desire this thing, and you should desire women, you should desire money, you should desire houses and cars and jewel, you know, all this stuff, that it means nothing. It means nothing to me because my perspective has changed because I desire what God desires for the reason that he desires it. It will change your whole life because that's where true happiness comes from. You'll never be happy doing the other way. You'll never be happy desiring what the world desires because what the world desires, they can never attain. What the world desires, they will never attain. And that's why it's so unfulfilling to be in that mindset. That's why it seems like every other week there's some multimillionaire celebrity committing suicide in their big mansions because life is not about that. And I understand you, maybe you've heard this a lot, but really think about it. If you spend your whole life living with that mentality, you'll be unhappy and unfulfilled and bitter your whole life because you're chasing after the wind. You're chasing after something that's unattainable that will never be there. They're trying to make all of these things up. You know, they're trying to push it on young people. They're trying to get it indoctrinated into them at a young age because the defense of that, of living that kind of life, is I want to make other people 
desire the same things I desire because I'm so bitter and unhappy with how my life has turned out. I want other people to go down the same path so I don't feel as, as miserable as I do. You know, it's like that phrase, misery loves company. And so the world, they know within themselves, the people that have attained it, the people that have gotten to the mountaintop of what the world calls a mountaintop, and they realize once they're there that they feel as empty as they've ever felt. Because life is not about pursuing all the outward things and all the things that the world tells you you are and tells you that you should pursue. That's not what life's about. Life is about the Word of God. Life is about the life that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that shapes my entire worldview. That shapes my entire destiny. It shapes my entire purpose. And that's what you're going to be. You're not going to be someone that lives with that mentality, but you're going to be an overcomer in every single area because you'll never see yourself as a victim and you'll live for the approval of God. And that will be the only thing that matters. Because once you've attained and achieved that approval of God and God loves you, which he already does, and not only does now God love you, but now God is for you. Now God is backing the things that you're doing, the things that you're saying. And once God backs you, no man can tell you that you can't do it. Now that God's with you and for you and performing and his power walks with you every day of your life, there's no... There's nothing the devil can send your way to destroy what God has made you available and able to conquer. Hallelujah. So that's number one. Point number one of breaking the mentality of victimhood is you have to refuse to see yourself as weak. Hallelujah. Number two, the number two point, and honestly, I may just do the second point, and then we'll continue next week with this same topic with the other points I've written down and taken notes for because we're already 45 minutes in. But I want you to turn to John chapter 10, the gospel of John in the 10th chapter, because the second point of this teaching today is God was never a victim. God was never a victim. And you might say, oh, that's not true. Jesus was taken into... Uh, Possession by the Roman government and crucified. Wasn't he a victim then? You know, he was beaten. He was bruised. He was bloodied. He was taken and nailed to the cross. Wasn't Jesus a victim when he died and gave his life on the cross? No, absolutely not. Not one time in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation was God in defeat. Did God ever lose a battle or was God ever a victim? God was never a victim, nor will he ever be a victim. That's the point number two for today. And it will be the point that I close with as we're coming up almost to an hour already. And I don't, I don't want this to be a two and a half hour podcast. So I'm just going to do this in parts and break it up a little bit. But number one, to break that mentality of victimhood, you have to see yourself. Oh, excuse me. You have to refuse to see yourself as weak and now, number two, you have to understand that God was never a victim. So in John chapter 10, I want to read verses 16 to 18. Hallelujah. Verse 16. Actually, let's begin in verse 7. I'm going to read a little bit of the Bible, so just stick with me. John 10 and beginning in verse 7. 
the Bible says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, very famous verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's key wording in that scripture. Doesn't say that they took his life says that he laid down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, here's our key verses at the end, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Hallelujah. No one took Jesus' life. Jesus laid it down for the sheep. No one took Jesus' life. But Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. God was never a victim. Jesus was never a victim. And if God was never a victim, and if Jesus was never a victim, even with his work on the cross, where he gave himself over to the authorities of Rome to be beaten and tortured and nailed to the cross and mocked and spat upon and all the things that Christ endured for us, even in all of that, Jesus was never a victim. Hallelujah. I love that. Jesus laid down his life for you and me. Jesus loved us so much. I mean, can you understand this right now? Jesus loved you so much that he laid down his life to be beaten and tortured and spat upon, and have his beard ripped out of his face, and mocked publicly in front of everybody, in front of his mother. He took all of that just so you and I could be attainable, attainable by the love of God, and come back into relationship with him, and receive that same authority. Hallelujah. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom, that whatever you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you bind in heaven, whatever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. That Jesus gave the keys of authority to the believer. He gave the keys of authority to you and me. And so Jesus wasn't a victim. 
with his work on the cross? No, for he said, no man can take my life from me, but I lay it down willingly or from my own accord. Hallelujah. Even Jesus, when he laid down his life to be crucified, was never a victim. And understand something, that your victory and my victory are both tied to God's victory that he's made available to us. My victory and your victory are tied to God's victory. And if God was never the victim, you and me will never be the victim. If Jesus was never the victim, then you and I will never be the victim. Doesn't mean that you won't go through things in life. But what it does mean is that anytime you go through something in life, you'll emerge on the other side victorious and not defeated. Hallelujah. It's not unscriptural to be challenged, but it is unscriptural to be defeated. You can't go through life expecting to lose. You go through life knowing that the devil will come down your path of life and try to tempt you, try to fill your mind with discouragement and despair. But God ultimately will have the victory in your life because if God was never the victim, you and me will never be the victim be the victim in Jesus name. But we'll walk in complete and total victory all the days of our life. Hallelujah. So if you're taking notes on this, write that down. If God was never the victim, I'll never be the victim. For you and I have been divinely connected to him. Life has nothing to do with who you've been born in the flesh as. Life is about who you've been born again as by the Spirit of Almighty God. And understand something. God's intention of sending Jesus Christ to the earth was not for just for Jesus to die on the cross and give us forgiveness of sins. That was obviously part of the plan. But the Bible says that every seed reproduces after its own kind. And so understand, the Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus was the seed of God. Jesus was the seed that was sown by God. And so... If every seed reproduces after its own kind, what was the reproductive value of the seed of Christ Jesus? It was to produce the harvest of sons on the earth. That if God sowed his only begotten son, then guess what? More sons must come back to God the Father. And that was exactly what happened. And you might say, that's crazy. Well, it's not crazy. Because through Jesus Christ being sown into the world, now me and you... Even if you're a female, you have the right to be called a son of God now. For now, there's no male nor female in the body of Christ. God doesn't just see you as who you're born as, but now you can receive the sonship of Christ Jesus, even if you're a woman, even if you're a female. And so when Jesus was sown into the earth as that seed, he did so to reproduce himself in the earth. Hallelujah. That's why we're called Christians. Because that word literally means little Christ, Christians, Christians, that we're also supposed to be demonstrations of the authority of Christ upon the earth. Hallelujah. So if you and I have been born of God and we've received him as a heavenly father, then that means victory belongs to you and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's complete victory 
in the understanding of who you've been born again as through the blood of Jesus. That Paul, in Romans 8, goes as far to say that we've been made more than conquerors through him that loved us, meaning Jesus. Now, what does that mean? How can you be more than a conqueror? Well, you can explain it this way. Think about a world champion boxer that fights in the ring and he's uh, a champion. He wins every fight. He's number one in the world. And he fights a fight against another boxer and he knocks out his opponent and he put on the boxing gloves and he stepped into the ring and he knocked out his opponent and won the prize of winning that match. He was the conqueror. But the Bible says that you're not just a conqueror, but Paul said that you're more than a conqueror. So who's more than the conqueror? The one that's more than the conqueror is not the boxer, but it's the one that's connected to the boxer. So think of that champion boxer's wife and children, that they never had to put any boxing gloves on. They never had to go through years of training and go into the gym and sparring and doing all the sorts of things they, that their father or their husband had to do to be a champion. All they had to do was accept the connection that they had to their father or to their husband. And now because of his victory, it has become their victory. And they attained that victory and they received that same prize without ever having to step into a ring and without ever having to punch somebody or knock anybody out. That's exactly what happened with our connection to Jesus when Jesus won all victory with his work on the cross. That because I'm divinely connected to Christ, the victory that he won belongs to me. So just like a boxer's wife shares in the reward money or the, or the payout for winning the victory, so do you and I share in the payout and the reward for Christ's victory on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to live your life in defeat. You don't have to live your life seeing yourself as less than or as a victim, or that you're beneath, or that everything has been sent against you, and that you're always going to be living this life of being less than, or that you'll never be worthy enough, or because of your background, because of where you come from, because of your culture, you'll never be accepted. You'll never be somebody that is seen as intelligent or successful. No, I don't care where you come from. I don't care the kind of family that you're coming out of. I don't care what your past was. Once you accept that connection to Christ Jesus, once you see yourself as God sees you, once you understand your identity in God, who the word tells you that you are, you'll never have defeat one more day of your life. But God will take you, like the Bible says, as a beggar from the dunghill, and he'll make you and sit you among the princes. That no longer will you be the victim, but you'll be the victor. That no longer will you be conquered by the problems of life, but you'll rise above it, and you'll be more than a conqueror in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. This is how you break that mentality. These are two points. You know, I, I could preach about this for a long time. There are so many things you can get into from the Bible about victory and about overcoming. And it's something that's greatly needed because the devil right now, he's getting loud. He's trying to put fear and doubt and unbelief in God's people. He's trying to make God's people think that nothing's going to work out and everything's in chaos and everything's uh, in trouble and 
It's just going to get worse and worse. But understand as a child of God that you have been separated from the world. That though you live in the world, you are not of this world. That you don't have to experience life like everybody else experiences life. That your life does not have to be this roller coaster of emotion. That one day you're having a good day, and then the next day you're sad, and you're having a bad day. That one day you're up, the next day you're down. And you go through this roller coaster of emotions every day. That you have a good week, and then you have a bad week. And then things are going all right, and then everything's going to shambles and ruins. That doesn't have to be your story. And how you understand and how you attain and change that story is understanding that you are God's chosen people, that you're a royal priesthood, that God has established you as his authority on this earth, that you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to operate in that full authority of who Christ has made you to be. But starting now, I know, I know a lot of young people listen to these podcast episodes. Start when you're young. Start a Bible club or a Bible study in your high school, in your middle school. And you will be great. You will be successful. Because once God finds you, and he will find you, he already has found you. Once God comes and backs up what you've set your heart to do for him, you'll never fail and you'll always succeed. You'll never be a victim. You'll never be beaten up and smacked by life and discouraged all your days. No, you'll have a joy and you'll have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You'll be someone that people go to for encouragement because you're always happy. You always have something nice to say. You're not always looking at your feet with a big frown on your face. And you're always disappointed. You're always talking about how everything's going to be terrible and whatever. You'll be somebody that people will want to be around. You'll have a gravitational pull towards you. You'll have people that will come to you for advice that they'll message you on Instagram and ask you to pray for them because they know that you carry something on the inside of you that's very different, that's very unique, and God's going to use you mightily in the earth before Jesus comes back again. I believe that for you. I believe you'll see it happen right now, that you won't have to wait 10, 15 years to see all those things happen, but God's going to give you increase and increase you more and more, and he's going to do something quickly. It's, he's going to accelerate it. Because understand, the time is short. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. We don't have another 100 years for things to take place. God's going to accelerate people because the time is short. And so, God's going to do it. And he's going to do it through your understanding of who you are in him. And it's going to be the best year you've ever had. I believe that no matter what the devil is trying to put into your mind, no matter what kinds of things they're spouting on news media, no matter what kinds of things that seem are happening all around you, the word of God is forever true and God has never lied. And so all of these things are true today. And you can break that mentality of victimhood off of your life and you'll never be the same again. And you'll have complete victory and walk in your total authority in your identity in Christ Jesus. And it'll happen very soon. And I hope this podcast helps you today. And next week, I'm going to do a part two of this. So if you enjoyed this kind of teaching, you enjoyed the points that I gave, I only did two points today. And I'm going to do the other um, ones that I have. And I'm just going to break this up so it's not an overload of information. 
uh, every time I come on uh, these episodes. But if you enjoyed this, uh, that makes me happy. I believe it's going to be your best year yet. I believe that God's calling young people all around the world. And I know people that are not just young listen to these, but I'm self-aware to know that I am young. And so naturally young people will listen to these episodes and understand it's not about where you are now. It's about who's for you and who will be for you for the rest of time. If God's on your side, you'll do great things because God's a great God. God doesn't have small plans. God doesn't have small futures and small purposes. God has big things for every single person. And the only thing is you have to get your faith to a level where you can attain the big things from God and walk in them and see it happen in your life. And I believe it's going to happen. I believe that as you get more word in you, you know, just from you listening to the end of this episode, I can tell you're hungry and you have a desire to know God more intimately. You desire his power. You desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit at a greater level. And God will see that, and God will reward that, and God will make you different. God will separate you from among your peers. He'll make you head and shoulders above the rest, and you'll have great success in your ministry and in your life. I believe that for you. So before I sign off today, let me pray for you before we go. Father, I thank you for all of my friends that made time and set aside their time to listen to this episode. I thank you that they'll be blessed for it. I thank you that your word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish the thing that it was sent to do. Father, I thank you that your word declares that you are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should change your mind. So God, I thank you that your word will produce exploits and bring back fruit for your people in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that no obstacle of the devil, nothing that's been sent to destroy them shall prosper. But I thank you that every weapon that's been formed against them shall be destroyed in Jesus' name. I thank you that you're raising up young people from all over the United States and around the world that are going to see their generation changed by the life-transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ before he comes again very, very soon. Father, I thank you once again for my friends. Allow them to be blessed today. Allow them to be strengthened, full of faith and full of fire to see a great change in the world in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you again for listening to these episodes. Uh, stay tuned. I'm going to be coming out with these uh, every week now for the next uh, foreseeable future. So uh, be on the lookout. Uh, pray for me as I learn how to uh, write these uh, transcriptions into chapters of a book. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of editing and things I'll probably add in later on, but it's going to definitely help me uh, get a base and uh, some pages back of material that I'm going to be using for a book uh, that will be released later this year. So uh, thank you once again. If you're interested, uh, I'll be preaching uh, Sunday morning uh, for our, um, our church Facebook page, which is Dominion Christian Center. And you can find us on Facebook, and we go live every time we have service. And so I'll be preaching. Uh, I'm releasing this on Saturday, and so tomorrow morning I'll be preaching. And so if you enjoy my preaching, you want to see me uh, in video form or even in person if you're in the area, uh, come see us, come visit us. And uh, I want you to know before I go, my old catchphrase, I love you. God loves you, 
and I'll talk to you very, very soon. Thank you for listening to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast. To stay connected with Preston and for booking information, make sure to follow him on social media on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming ministry website. For more episodes, please subscribe and make sure to come back here every Friday for brand new weekly content. 